You're listening to a leadership message from Pastor Jurgen Matesius here at Awaken Church. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Amen. Well, uh, come with me in your Bibles. The, the title of my message this morning is called The Dilution Dilemma. The Dilution Dilemma. Uh, let's start in Nehemiah. Go to, go to the book of Nehemiah. Uh, I was talking with um, Pastor Michaela Hubbard, and she said, yeah, did you know that Nehemiah was the shortest man in the Bible? I'm like, really? She said, yeah, that's why he was called Nehemiah. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's true, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, so ne- Nehemiah chapter 13 Actually, let's start in verse 23. I know, I think I sent the guys verse 24, but let's start in verse 23. Nehemiah, we're just going to read verse 23 and 24. Nehemiah 13, 23, 24. It says, In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. Nehemiah is lamenting that here are Jewish people that no longer can speak in their native tongue. And it's not that they can no longer speak in their, or they no longer do speak in their native tongue. It's the fact that the, the Hebrews rightly believe that Hebrew is the language of God, that it is a holy language. God himself calls it a holy language, a holy tongue. And what has happened is the, the Jews have married the Ammonites, they've married the Ashdodites, they've married the Moabites. And instead of bringing the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites into a holy language, the children of Israel have become like the world around about them. So the title of this message is The Dilution Dilemma. The Dilution Dilemma. The the genesis for this message came out of a recent experience where we moved from AT&T to T-Mobile. And uh, it was such a dreadful experience. I thought, oh my gosh, Like, uh, I want to cuss right now, I want to headbutt somebody, but it doesn't look good as a pastor to do those things. So I felt the Holy Spirit say, well, why don't you just, you know, make sure that that doesn't happen to awaken church and use it as a a learning uh, illustration. There's a pattern all the way through our Bibles, there's a pattern through the Scriptures where uh, there's a first generation that has an encounter with God. There's a first generation that that has an encounter, that has devotion, consecration, that that is on fire, that does whatever. Then there's a second generation. And that second generation lives in the bounty and lives in the blessing of the first generation, but hasn't paid the price of the first generation. But, 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 But they enjoy all the blessings. They enjoy the material wealth, the prosperity, the increase, the favor. That can easily be inherited. But quite often, and I'm not, I'm not even sure if I've got the, 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 the correct answer, what can't 
seemingly can't be inherited is 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 that devotion that encounter that 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 on fire for God that that love of God and so what you find is is the next generation the third generation that enjoys all the trappings and enjoys everything begins to stretch its hands out towards idols many years ago I was driving across a railway line and I always know when God speaks because it's the most random thought. And I'm driving across this railway line. I can still see it as I'm driving across the railway line. And the word of the Lord came to me. It says, it's a blessed people that stretch their hands out towards idols. And it was such a random thought. I'm like, oh, what the, what? As I'm going across a railway line, I'm like, what? It's a blessed people that stretch their hands out towards idols. So if you find in the scripture, it's always... After the third generation's a mess, God's handed them over to the Midianites. God's handed them over to the Philistines. God's handed them over. And then they cry out to God again. And then it, the, the cycle starts again. There's a first generation has an encounter with God, devotion to God, makes covenants, tears down all the high places, tears down all the altars of Baal, tears down the altars of, Stat, of Asherah, pulls down all the idols, you know, reconsecrates their generation. And then the cycle happens again. This, this, is, this is human nature. So that means that, that there's a point where there's fire. There's a point of consecration. There's a point where everything is pure and, and God's blessing falls. But you will find that, that, that there's a moving away. There's a dilution dilemma that takes place. There's a dilution dilemma that takes place. As we were with uh, T-Mobile, we, we, we went there because our kids are on a T-Mobile plan. Um, we were looking at AT&T. AT&T has, you know, kind of still has spotty coverage. T-Mobile had kind of all of these benefits. And so we just thought, well, why don't we just get, well, our kids are already in there. Why don't we just do, make it nice and neat and easy. Everybody get on this plan. If we all get on this plan as a family, there's all these benefits, unlimited gigabytes and all that kind of stuff. So we thought, okay, we'll do it. So we go to T-Mobile. T-Mobile has in their stores teenage girls who know a script, but they, they don't know anything outside of the script. They know this. They, 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 they can tell you, they look like an expert on the script, but anything, any variance, any, anything that, that requires peripheral or problem solving, useless. So after almost 90 minutes of doing all the paperwork, they hand Leanne her phone and she's, she's trying to get her phone to work and she's like, oh, my phone's not working. The girl goes, yeah, yeah, it'll probably take 48 to 72 hours. And Leanne's like, what? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, because, you know, um, AT&T needs to, to unlock their phone, uh, unlock your phone so that this SIM card. And Leanne's like, I can't do 48 to 70. To, like, oh, oh. Like, why, why don't you tell me before you put this freaking SIM card in and do everything? Oh, well, like just no thought. No thought that when you walk out, you may actually still need your phone. You may still need to be contactable. No, no thought. So then we contact AT&T to unlock the phone. And then four days later, our phones were still not un unlocked. So, so then they're telling us, no, no, you need to go into a store. You need to go into a store. We can't do it over the phone. We can't do it even though you get the numbers and the serial numbers. So we go into the store. When we get in the store, we've got to line up. We've got to wait. You've got to take a number. Then finally they get around to you. So this has been now the fourth day without phones. So then we finally come forward. We tell the guy what's going on. He says, ah, oh, 
I'm surprised they told you to come into the store. I'm like, why, why, why would that surprise you? Because we can't, we don't have the authority to unlock phones. You've got to do, here's, here's the number to call. I said, no, 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 I've been calling. No, no, you've got to call that number. I said, no, 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 I've been, gee, you've got to call that number. I said, I've been calling that number. That number doesn't work. They keep telling us we've got to go into the store. We can't. So now obviously my beautiful Leanne has had enough. She's like, this is four days. And she immediately, and so I'm thinking, so <clears throat> I cannot drive behind a van. I can't drive behind a van because, because I can't see through it. When, when I'm driving, nothing infuriates me and, and God bless, and this is no offense to anybody that, drives me or picks me up from anywhere. But I, I, I am OCD. I'm like, oh, dear God, when the driving and there's a van in, uh, and I just, it wrecks me. I'm like, oh, dear God. Like, I have to look down at my phone. I have to look away because um, I have to be able to see through the windscreen of the car in front to see what's up ahead. Do I need to change lanes? I can't drive behind the slowest car. I can't, I can't do it. I can't drive behind the slowest car because I'm always looking. I'm always looking which lane, where's a gap, where's. I've been with people and they're driving and I can, I can, I can see like there's, there's, there's orange cones. This lane is about to end. You, you, you may. I've got to be able to see ahead. So I'm in the, the AT&T store and Leanne is now in an argument with the guy rightfully because AT&T are just as big as morons as T-Mobile. So there's a problem, something and I've got a leapfrog now. So I'm like, you know what? The issue is the SIM card apparently supposedly works but our phones are unlocked. So I said, you know what, baby, what we're going to do? We're going to forget T-Mobile. We're going to forget AT&T. We're going to go to Costco right now. And we're going to buy two new phones that are not locked by any, they're not locked by AT&T. They're not Verizon. They're not, they're going to be unlocked phones. We're going to take those SIM cards, put them in, and our phones in theory should work straight away. So we go straight up to Costco and the Costco guy when we told him the story was so brilliant, he goes, I want you to wait here. I'm not going to let you leave until your phones are working. He goes the extra mile. Now, one of the other guys came over and says, hey, you know, we don't do that anymore. He goes, I know. He goes, but have you heard their story? This has been four days. This is ridiculous. So he goes the extra mile. He goes the extra mile and he gets the thing happening. So, so. My concern, when, when you drive down the, the freeway on the 15, you will see mega churches. You will see these mega churches, these mega churches. And they, they began in a spirit of faith. They began, they had an apostolic leader. That, like us, they would have began in a high school, in a middle school, in a, in a rented auditorium. And then they would have, you know, felt God, you know, say, 
step out of the boat, possess some land, build a building. And they would have started a building campaign where they would have got people to give sacrificially. And, and so people gave, and you know, I'm sure people gave what could have been their, their children's tuition to go to college or could have been deposits on their homes or lands that they had or plans that they had. And they came and they sacrificially gave. And now there's these amazing buildings that I'm sure in their day were full. But you drive past today, generations later, and, and what, was, what began in faith, what began in the power of God is now managed with the arm of flesh, is with the arm of man. It, it is an arrogance. It is a haughtiness for us to believe that we can manage with human strength that which is only born of what, what is it that overcomes the world? That which is born of God that which is born of God, even our faith. And, 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 and I just want to make sure that, that we never move from there, that we never, that we never, that we never drift so far that, that people look back on awakened church. People look back and they remember these days. It, it may stroke my ego when, if people say, man, can you remember when that Aussie guy came out? Man, they were the good old days. It may look good in the flesh, it may look good in the natural, but I'm telling you, it's a fail in heaven. It is a fail in heaven. H have a look at this, this verse in, in uh, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. Paul writes to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2 verse 2. And he says to, to Timothy, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I want you to know there's four generations there. There's four tiers there. There's four levels there. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, hey, Timothy, the things that you've heard from me that are now in you, I want you to teach those to other men who can teach them to others also. In other words, I'm not just bringing it to you. I'm bringing it to you and I'm expecting you to bring it to the next generation and then don't step away saying your job is done. No, no, no. Make sure that that next tier, make sure that that next level also takes what I put into you, that you put into them, that they then put it into the next generation so that we can avoid a dilution dilemma. We can avoid a dilution dilemma. Every single company, I guarantee you the CEO of T-Mobile does not, act or operate like the young ladies who were there at the sales desk. There was, a, there, was an un, there was an uncaring, like uh, when I told them, Leanne's phone, can we just, what, what, if, what if I buy her a phone there? Oh yeah, we can do that. So they come and, they get, and then Leanne's like, oh man, my, my pictures aren't downloading. We find out it's because they gave her half the gigabytes, half the memory. So we go back and I'm like, darling, this was a 256. You said you could, yeah, but it's the only one I had. Oh, well, that makes it all right. You sold us a 256. We paid for a 256, but because the 128 was the only one you had, you just gave us that because it's the only one she had. And nothing. So I guarantee you that the, the CEO of T-Mobile doesn't have that spirit. I guarantee you that that first level, that entrepreneurial, that spirit of excellence, that's how do we, how do we create a, a company? How do we create a, a mobile phone product where people can come on and they can enjoy the downloading, they can enjoy surfing the web, they can enjoy 
great coverage all over the nation. That's at the top, but down the bottom, there's, there's a dilution dilemma. And one of the great concerns with any growing organization is that what is heard at the top gets diluted at the next level, gets diluted at the next level. And then here's, here's what every single one of us need to battle is that, that when we employ people, we, we, we employ people who are just coming out of the world into the house. So there is more DNA of the world than the DNA of the house that is in them. And so very, very quickly, the DNA that is at the top is no longer at the bottom. The predominant DNA at the bottom is the DNA of the world. The DNA of the world is slackness. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 9 that he who deals with a slack hand is a brother to him who's a destroyer. Or he, he who is slothful in his work is a brother to him who is a destroyer. So we may say, well, you know what? All right, they're a little bit lazy. All right, you know what? They, okay, they, they didn't follow through, but hey, you know, they were trained at. You know, that's, that's just how we used to work when we worked at Starbucks. That's how it was at Walmart. That's how it was at, this is not Starbucks and this is not Walmart. This, this, what we deal with is souls. We deal with eternity. We deal with the kingdom that is imperishable. We deal with life and death, eternity. So we can't bring a Starbucks mentality. We can't bring a Walmart mentality, a Target. We can't bring a world mentality in here. We've got to come to the fountainhead and make sure that the DNA at the top is the same DNA at the bottom, that it gets passed from, from Paul to Timothy, from Timothy to the third tier, from the third tier to the fourth tier, that, that, it, that, it, that it sounds the same down here as it is up there. All right. So let me, just, let me just throw some things out there. The, fir the first one I want to throw out there is what I, what I call speedy service. These guys were useless. They were so slow. Four, four days later, we were still speedy service. If, if people are, hey, I sent emails, hey, I sent messages, never heard anything back. If, if we're saying to people, hey, we're going to put a, a vaccination exemption on and then people can't find it, it doesn't matter that we have it. If people can't find it, if things are cumbersome, if things are difficult, well, it's, you just got to text 94090 to this thing and then it'll give you a form. And then when you fill out that form, it ends in a dead end. There's nothing worse than you're, you're on, you know, press one for... If your call is about something personal to your life, press number two. You know, if this is something that's really important, press number one. You know, hi, I'm out of the office right now. It's like, what the? <laughs> There's nothing more frustrating than bad customer service. So speedy responses, making things easy, making sure that it's, it's one click. To, to get where you need to go. Does that, does that dominate? Because that's how it was in the beginning. And what we can say, and this is the, the great excuse, well, that's because we were small. God blessed us not because we were small. God blessed us because we were efficient. God blessed us because we had speedy, because things worked. But the dilution dilemma creeps in, and now we use our weight. We use our our largesse as an excuse for slackness. 
he who is slack in his work, he who deals with the slack end, who you, he was slothful, is brother to him who is a destroyer. I don't want to be a brother of the destroyer. The Bible says that Satan is the destroyer. I don't want to be related to him. I don't want to be his, his brother. So speedy service. Second one that, that, that we've got to watch is control. Control. Let me, let me tell you how control works. Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because God has anointed me to preach the good news, to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. Most Christians put a period there, but Jesus doesn't. The Bible says he's reading from Isaiah chapter 60. He's reading from the, the scroll. He's reading from Isaiah. And Isaiah doesn't finish there. It says, spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Same spirit, same anointing, same verse, same chapter. He has sent me to open the eyes of the blind, to set at liberty those who oppress, the recovery, and to proclaim the year of the Lord. There's, there's five tears in there. When you hear the gospel and get saved, that's the beginning, that's not the end. The next level is healing the broken heart. Every single one of us, when we come into the kingdom, we come in with our history. Your, your salvation and your eternity is secured, but you will come in with your history. God does not erase your history. When I got saved, I didn't walk around going, shoot, I don't even know who I am. Who are you? You're my parents? God does not erase your history. God does not erase your history, but God, with your permission, will walk with you into the mess that, that was your history, and he'll begin to heal and deal only what you permit him to heal and deal with. God, God will not go, man, you are freaking jacked up. Shut up and sit down and let me. He will only partner with you. The Holy Spirit will be, hey, you can trust him. You can. Here's, here's the deal. If you've had trauma, if you've had rejection, if you've had brokenness in your past, what will happen is that when you get, begin to get some elevation, when you begin to get some promotion, you will see other people as a threat to you. The greatest advice that I ever got was the key to pleasing God is to always do yourself out of a job. Paul planted the church in Ephesus, and then he gives it to Timothy. Paul plants the church in Smyrna, and he hands it off to Apollos. He, he's planting churches, and he's putting other people in. He's planting, he does all the heavy lifting, and he throws somebody else in there. He's continually doing himself out of a job, and so God keeps elevating, God keeps elevating. If you see people as threats, and every single one of us are vulnerable because of our, of our ego and our insecurity. You will begin to control. If you control people, that is not the spirit of God. God is not a controller. God didn't put Adam and Eve in a garden with a tree that they couldn't eat from and then control them that every time they went near, they, you little rascals, you were going to eat from the tree. No, we weren't. Yes, you did because I, I, I powered you down. They, God gave them, God didn't control Adam and Eve. Leanne and I don't control, we release. Aha, release. 
I know what release is. Release is just dump. Release is not dump. Releasing is not, you know, hey, where did, where did, oh, well, I gave it to such and such. What well, do they, I don't know. That's, that's not releasing. That's abdicate, abdicating. That's not delegation. That's abdication. That's dumping. When you release something, you still oversee it. People come up to us all the time saying, hey, what, you know what? Hey, pastor, man, what can we do for you? What, what can we do for you and Leanne? What can we do? What can we do? If I was honest with you, the best thing you can do is your job. Just do your job. Just do your job. It's real simple. Watch this. Five talents, two talents, one talent. Go with five, produce five more. Well done, good and faithful. Go with two, produce two more. Well done, good and faithful. The guy with one, the boss had to come back and now take back. He had to take back and then he had to redistribute it to somebody else who could do. He, he delegated something out. He gave something away and the guy didn't do his job. And so now it came back onto the boss's desk and the boss now had to say, uh, I've got a redistribute it to somebody else who actually gets things. The greatest thing you can do is your job. The greatest thing you can do is your job. Let me just say this, that and I'm not going to mention names, but we, we've seen and we've been part of movements where people are not human beings, they're human doings. A spirit that is not in Leanne and I, is where you are valuable when you are usable. One of the ugliest spirits in the kingdom is you're valuable when you're usable. The day that you're no longer usable, the day that you go through a season, that you go through a breakdown, that you go through where God is actually healing you and you're kicked from the team, you're scrubbed from the team, or you're even worse, I've seen churches where they talk about them behind their back. They, they're discarded. They're just dismissed like a, like a broken wheel. And why, why, why replace the wheel? Why, why uh, repair the wheel when we can just replace the wheel? That's not the spirit of this house. The spirit of this house is, is uh, people don't exist for the vision. People don't exist for the vision. The vision exists for the people. The, the, the vision that we have at Awaken Church is a vision that exists for the people, for you. The fruit of your life should be that we are flourishing when we walked into this house because the vision is for the people. I remember Pastor Samuel probably paying one of the, the, the greatest compliments when him and beautiful Katie first came down saying, we were so excited about Vision Sunday because we thought we were going to hear, like we've heard every other year, the vision of the church. And I said, oh, man, I said, if I was honest with you, you know, like I've got ADD and I did that at the beginning of our church, boring. Like I want to hear what, what your vision is. You know, what's like it, Vision Sunday is about what's, what's, what's your vision? What are you believing God for? Because I want to partner with that because that's, and you'll find that the, the vision should inspire you to have a vision. And it's because the vision is for the people. But, but Samuel will, will tell you that, that we've seen where 
the people exist for the vision. And if the people break down or if the, here's a worse, here's a worse one. Like I, I was just in, in Cabo and, uh, you know, we took eight days off to go to, to go to Cabo. And it was so awesome because it was like our first real kind of bit of a break in, in two years. But the first 48 hours, the revelation was, for me, the revelation from the Holy Spirit is, fudge, I didn't realize I was so freaking jacked up. Completely jacked up just from running on adrenaline, running on over. And I'm thinking, shoot, if I'm the senior pastor of this thing and I'm so jacked up and I read the Bible every day, have a prayer life and I'm jacked up, how much more? I needed this getaway. I needed this. Is there room for humanity? Is there room for people on our teams to have a moment? Because I'm telling you, the greatest thing that we can do with our people is invest into them by putting them on the bench for a season, removing them from the load bearing, but having enough love and enough investment into them that we love you and we see that God is dealing with A, B, and C. Let's get the right counseling. Let's get the right therapy. Let's get the, the right prayer. Let's get the right ministry around that area of your life to strengthen you. Paul, uh, Paul, Jesus says to Simon, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. When you turn back, in other words, you are going to, when you turn back, which means you're going to turn away, you're going to drop the ball, you're going to fail. When you turn back, strengthen your brothers. And remember Peter, he's like, Lord, even if all these flipping pelicans, even if they all deny you, not me, man, I'm Peter the rock. I'm the rock. You call me the rock. Before there was the rock, I was the rock. And he's like, even if all these other, and yet when Jesus rose from the dead, walks along the beach, have you caught anything? Simon Peter comes up and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, Lord, you know, feed my sheep. Like, what? I'm, I just betrayed you three, three times. Jesus asked, do you love me? Because Jesus is ministering to him. He's saying, Peter, I'm not looking for your performance. I'm looking for your heart. Looking for your heart. Looking for your heart. Remember I told you I'm praying for you? And when you turn back, this is your turn back moment. All that I'm looking for is your heart. Leanne and I aren't controllers. Don't control. Let me just tell you, how do you know if you're controlling? You'll be losing leaders. Nobody likes to control. God does not control. All right, I'm out of time. Oh, dear Jesus. All right, one last one. Uh, we develop and we empower people. We develop and we empower people. If, if, if you, oh, that's probably a bad thought. If you were to get raptured today, if Jesus was decided to take you to heaven, who would do your job? Always be developing and empowering people to do, well, I'm just a sound guy. Well, disciple somebody to do, to do your job. Do, whatever you're doing, be training, be developing somebody to, to do what you do. Always have somebody because i tell you why. Number one, I want you to have a vacation. I remember many, many years ago in one of our, one of our areas, I said to the person, listen, I need you. I don't have time. We've got all these jobs coming in and I don't have time to train people. The reason you don't have time to train people is because you didn't take time 
and you don't make it a priority to train people. So you're going to keep getting so busy and then eventually you're going to be that little hamster in the wheel that has a heart and just train people, take time to train people. I said, the, for the first reason, I want you to go on vacation and not be bothered. I don't want to call you on vacation saying, hey, where's this and how do we fix that? And, and so you're away on vacation, but you're not really on vacation because you've got to keep problem solving back here. But if you've trained somebody, every single one of us have to, to operate in that same 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, whatever you've received, now you train other people and teach them also. Does that make sense? Acts 4.13 is a beautiful scripture. Acts 4.13. It says, when, when, they, when, they, when they heard and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, when they saw their boldness, the Bible says, that, and saw that these were uneducated or untrained common men, they, they perceived that these guys must have been with Jesus. That their perception was these are untrained, uneducated, just common, ordinary men. But look at what they carry. Look at what then they realize, oh, my gosh, these guys have been with Jesus. In other words, what we see in them is the same DNA that we saw in Yeshua, that the same DNA. The DNA had not diluted the DNA. Be praying for your people. Lay hands on your team. Lay hand, Impart that DNA. Require that DNA. Build up that DNA. Who are you empowering? Who are you laying hands on? Who are you releasing? Let's not go the way of all the other churches. Let not, let's not go the way. I don't want to hand awakened church over and then have my flesh tickled that, well, it's, it was only ever a shadow or a shell of what it was under your leadership. That is a fail before heaven. I want to hand it over where people go, Jürgen, who? You know, man, have you seen what Dr. Matt, have you seen what Alex Klein, have you seen what, have you seen what the next generation and the next generation, have you seen what the Deshaun's are doing? Have you seen what the Piles are doing? Have you seen what the, what the Hudson and Holtons are doing? Have you seen... What little Zeke, Yergi, Jaeger are doing. Have you seen? I want, to, I want the next generation. I want the, the Micahs, the Mavericks, the little baby Murgans. I want them. Come on, stand to your feet. We're, we're, we're way over time. Father, I thank you right now. Lift your hands high to heaven. Father, we come against a dilution dilemma, a dilution dilemma, a dilution dilemma. Father, Lord God, help us to drink from the fountain of the Spirit, the DNA that rests on this house. Holy Spirit, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of a man is a lamp of the Lord, searching the inner rooms of their heart. Father, if there's areas in our heart where, where we go into self-preservation, self-protective mode at the expense, Father, help us to bring those things to This is a house of healing. This, this is not a house of pride. This is not a house of hide. Hide and pride go together. You don't need to hide your struggles. You are not disqualified because of your humanity. God uses untrained, uneducated, ordinary people. And what makes them exceptional? They've been with Jesus. I see Jesus on them. I don't see Harvard. I don't see what I see is Yeshua. What I see is the DNA 
of the Messiah. Father, I thank you for the DNA that you put on this house. Father, whether we're in administration, whether we're, hey, well, you know, we just, we just kind of process the, the tithes and offerings. We, hey, we just, we just answer phone calls. We just distribute. We just respond to, no matter what we do, Father God, let that same DNA, let the DNA on the house, let it be pure. Let it be 100%. Let it not be 50% or 70%. Let it be 100%. Father, let us be speaking the same language. In the days of Nehemiah, the Jews had married the world, and there was more of the spirit of the world than there was of the kingdom. They no longer spoke kingdom. They no longer spoke awaken. They spoke Starbucks. They spoke Walmart. They spoke spirit of this age. They spoke T-Mobile. Father, we want to speak the language of heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.